Hi everyone, this is Mira. This is Ankit. Uh, welcome to Leaving Footprints, where we're going to be talking to people from various backgrounds to find out more about them, any challenges they've faced, and their journeys to where they are now. So thank you all for your support so far. We're really excited to continue building our podcast for you all. Today's guest is someone uh, who has done a lot of things in their life. She has been a DJ and she is also now a software engineer at a company which you guys probably must have heard of named Google. Today we have Miss Anupia. Hi guys, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, so kind of to just get the ball rolling, um, can you tell us a little about, about yourself and kind of how you got to uh, your job at Google right now? Yeah, so um, I am currently, I was class of 2018 from UC Davis. I actually started there as a biomedical engineering major um, after two years of struggling with biology and chemistry and not being in love with it. Um, the last quarter of my second year, I took my first ENG class and as part of the ENG side of BME. And I had so much fun with that. And I always excelled at math and before any other subject, so I thought I would try it out because my dad was also a software engineer and I kind of followed in his footsteps because I grew up watching him and he helped me a lot. Um, so I was able to complete a CS degree in two and a half years because of him and I fell in love with it. And I do want to say, I think software engineering is something you have to love. Um, you're not going to survive if you don't enjoy hours of debugging. Yeah. <laughs> and math-based problem solving. So um, I, I loved it. And after college, um, the so I interviewed actually as a full-time software engineer at Google. And after the first technical round, they reached out to me and said, um, after talking to you, we think you actually would be better fit for this role. And they were starting this program called the Cloud mm -hmm. Technical Residency Program at Google. And it's basically um, kind of rotating between all sides of technical roles at Google, specifically in like the product sales side of things. Okay. And I was like, I don't really know what if I want to go st into straight software. I haven't really experienced any more than just the internships I've been in. Right. So I, I took it and I think it's the best decision I made. Like, I think it's really important for a lot of software engineers to realize if you're pursuing SWE, that there are a lot more options out there besides just strict software engineering. That actually is really interesting because uh, I realize that software engineering is a really broad field and a company like Google definitely has a lot of outlets. So it's really cool that you decided to go for the Google suite option. Mm -hmm. I had another offer for um, just a full-time suite role, but I am so, so glad I chose this one. <laughs> That's really good. Um, so you spoke a little bit about like, why you decided to pursue software engineering as a, like, as a career. Do you want to talk more about just how you decided to take that class in the first place? Yeah, so um, I knew that me switching into a new major after two years full-time as pre-med would have been really, really hard. Um, so I took, I in, initially I was like, worst case, I'll just do it as a minor. And so at Davis, the first four basic classes play into the minor and the major. So I was like, I might as well take the introductory ECS 30 class. And I took it over the summer. So it was also accelerated. Right. Um, but I had my dad, like I said, I do not, I do not think I would have survived without my dad. Um, and so he, he really showed me what the fun parts of CS were and mm -hmm. um, the end class right before taking that and making that switch was we, we were working in MATLAB. So it was my first exposure to like working with math and the language and things like that. 
And that little bit was enough for me to know, like, this is where I want to be, like, in this space. I'm just going to at least try it. And I tried it and I loved it. So the rest is history. That's really cool. I was going to say that's I, I took the same ECS class because I also went to UC yeah. Davis. So it's like crazy to hear that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, UC Davis 18, I graduated the same year. That's so wild. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so surprised our paths didn't cross. Yeah, it's a big school though. So <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the Brown community was like very tight there though. So um, that's I'm, um, yeah. yeah. Um, I actually wanted to ask because so you were saying that your dad's a software engineer and he really helped you through it. So do you have, aside from him and with him, what are some influences that have kind of kept you going in this field? Because I'm, I'm sure it was difficult, you know, like engineering is not an easy thing. Yeah, so my dad was pretty hard on me growing up and he had really high expectations that I think a lot of brown kids can relate to. Um, but he's been so proud of me ever since I started CS, like he saw me finally excelling a little bit. And it, that kept motivating me to keep going and he kept teaching me things. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. So um, not only was my dad a giant influence, but I guess this isn't an influence in the strictest sense of how you're asking an influence. Mm-hmm. But um, learning, like the concept of learning, I was not a great student, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but after graduating, I learned so much in the industry. And the more I learned, the more I want to keep learning. And so all the doubts I had kind of got canceled by the amount I kept learning Mm -hmm. um yeah and then once I went into the industry I think CS also in college you you develop a community with the students around you and you all struggle together you end up having like your classes and everything yeah Yeah. so it's a great community like that kept me going um some of my closest friends were my CS friends so um and then my mom also I feel like no matter what she always just kept supporting me um, and is like my biggest cheerleader and I love her and I want to keep making her happy and I think she saw that I was really happy after CS as well so that made me want to keep going as well it's actually really encouraging to hear it's very wholesome I'm glad that you know you have you have your parents that that's really amazing yeah it's definitely later in my life that I really looked to them as like support support in my life um, because I think like throughout middle school, high school, we feel kind of, like I was very, um, it's funny because like being in the circuit, you don't think this of me, but I was actually a, very much an introvert before getting to college. Um, and so like, I think after that, I really started to be like, oh, like there are so many problems in the world. How did you deal with this? Like being <laughs> my age and stuff. So, um, and I also think I want to give a huge shout out to my manager and my coworkers. Cause I think after getting into the program mm-hmm. at Google, it was a cohort of 25 of us that were just wow. new grads. So it was like, all of us were in this at the same time. Google comes with imposter syndrome. None of us <sighs> felt like we deserved to yeah. be there because we were like, how are we at Google? Like, this is crazy. Um, so I had all of them. And then my coworkers are so smart and always constantly push me to grow. And they've taught me so much that constantly contributes to my career growth. So like, they are also a huge part, I think, of why I love it so much your first job really sets the tone for the rest of your career yeah that's so amazing and inspiring like it's really good that you have a supportive cohort and manager and coworkers. Mm-hmm. it's so important to have and also I really like that you know they they also help you with wanting to grow and encouraging you to do that agreed mm-hmm. I think yeah, especially... Google I think yeah sorry go ahead go ahead uh, so I was just saying that like 
it's really i think the the point which you said about the community kind of just helping you and yeah. that's i think a huge part about all for all of us um like we're all kind of just helping each other especially even this pandemic it's been really difficult for all of us so just kind of getting through it together is what's important here now yeah um i think that's really important and through the pandemic especially um i think google really opened up conversations about career growth and where you want to be and they mandated that a little bit um mm-hmm. And so, and I also have like an amazing manager who's always open to talking about other roles outside of the role that I'm in. Right. So I've always felt supported in that way. So uh, you kind of spoke about your, uh, like your experience with Google. So what advice would you have for aspiring software engineers kind of applying to jobs or like kind of recent graduates who will be applying to jobs eventually? Uh, yeah, this is a great question. Um <laughs> Um, so as an entry level, be open, I think, to exploring roles, like I said, outside of the strictest sense of software engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, I came out of college thinking like I wanted to go into that strict sense of it. But at Google, I got to explore the various technical branches like management, sales, product. Um, and with the CTR program, it was just like you got to meet and network as well. So mm-hmm. that was really great. Um, there are also so many roles out there that require a CS background that you may fall in love with. So don't restrict yourself explore your options. Um, I talk a lot about my role actually specifically as a solution engineer on my YouTube channel too, mm-hmm. if you wanna hear about how yeah. other roles are. Yeah. Um, actually, so I wanted to backtrack a little bit. You mentioned about imposter syndrome at Google. Um, specifically, actually one of our listeners wanted to learn more about how to deal with imposter syndrome. Do you think you could speak more on that? Yeah, imposter syndrome, I think, is really, really common, especially in the software engineering Mm -hmm. space at a younger age. Um, We're really young, right? Everyone around us is either like killing it or they're um, older than us and senior in their role and they've just been in the industry longer. And it's definitely more difficult to compare yourself to, you tend to compare yourself to the people Mm -hmm. around you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for, for SWE especially, there are some roles where you just kind of work in your own lane and you still end up comparing yourself to other people who are fixing other bugs and mm-hmm. have a different sense. Like they have, they have a different understanding of software. They're doing other things, but you still like don't compare yourself is basically what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say um, <laughs> as much as you can. But um, the biggest thing is I think the, the more you have to put yourself out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And right. it's going to be difficult. And imposter syndrome kind of that kind of forces you to do that because you're not comfortable at your company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're forced to still keep working. And getting out of your comfort zone is the biggest advice I think I could give to someone going into SWE. Like, come in with a unique point of view. Try to be different. Um, try to, your experience is different from everyone else's. Right. You know, so, yeah. so take that and keep going with it. Imposter syndrome comes with the fact that you think that you have to be a certain way and you look at other people and like as a role model, but you on your own path are doing really well on your own. So just like keep going with your own thing and try to challenge the legacy implementations and just like, you know, stand, stay out of your box a little bit. That was actually really inspiring. And I think that's probably going to be our quote for the episode, especially the one which is going on to Instagram. That was really inspiring. Yeah, I actually really, I appreciate that because I know all of us have experienced imposter syndrome and it's definitely not easy mm-hmm. to deal with. And yeah, I think especially, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing. 
I think especially as like an entry level individual, because I when I will eventually start applying for jobs, I'll be applying for entry level jobs as well. It is definitely mm-hmm. kind of intimidating to see a lot of people around us kind of okay, they're getting jobs and they're not getting jobs, and like we kind of just like put in ourselves like, why haven't we gotten a job? So I think just kind of not comparing ourselves and just kind of just putting ourselves out there is something really important, yeah. especially for dealing with imposter syndrome. I also think that our generation, tech companies in general right now are really appreciative of our generation's tendency to challenge the status quo a little Mm -hmm. bit, including Mm -hmm. like old systems that have been put into place. And to make sure like being a unique asset comes with having a unique point of view and Mm -hmm. an analytic mindset. So for some people, this is also a natural ability and it comes really naturally to them. But again, don't compare yourself to them. It's also something that you can train yourself into being with like practice and stepping out of your comfort zone, like I said. Right. Mm-hmm. You spoke actually about your YouTube channel earlier and how did you get started? With, like what made you want to start a YouTube channel? Um, so actually I started my entire um, career like in cre- on the creative side of things actually started in iMovie. Um, I loved making tiny videos and attaching them to music and like making my friends cry and like (laughs) um, those kind of things. Um, So that's where I started in like middle school, high school. And iMovie was, I think the most, I had the most understanding of that when manipulating music. So I actually started mixing my senior year of high school in iMovie um, for like our Bollywood dance performances at my school. Um, And I was actually reusing mixes of like other DJs out there and just putting them in there but I think a lot of people didn't know that these mixes existed yet so they looked at it and they were like oh my god like what are these mixes and so I saw that excitement and that excitement made me really want to to learn how to do it um and I'm actually and so after like skipping all of my DJ career my YouTube channel is me coming full circle a little bit because I started an iMovie, found a love for DJing and mixing when I could put music to a visual representation of emotions right. that music represent. And now I like kind of refound my love for editing and creating stories and learning videography during the pandemic. So here I am combining my passion for like career, music, um, recently finance, um, vlogging into one thing. So it's and it's a lot of fun. So I'm just having fun with it. Yeah, that's really awesome. I was actually watching your videos. I think the one about burnout was really interesting. And it's definitely yeah. nice to hear other people talking about those types of things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so actually, and then you mentioned your DJ career. So I Ankit was telling me because he's more familiar with that area with the, the dancing and everything that mm-hmm. like you kind of were one of the first or one of the first female DJs in the circuit. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about how you navigated that with it being very male dominated and like what was important for you to have open, have those doors open for you as an like aspiring female DJ? Right. Um, that's a good question. So there was actually, I think, one female DJ. There might be others that I'm just not aware of, but there mm-hmm. was one female DJ that came before me. I think her name was Subashri. I don't remember her DJ name at the moment. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't really active by the time I came into the circuit. So I felt pretty much alone in that context anyway. But honestly, I didn't think too much about it Mm -hmm. in general in the DJ scene, like beyond just DDN, there aren't that many big female DJs anyway. And I was sheltered like growing up. So Mm -hmm. I was like naive and the people around me didn't make a big deal about the fact that I was female. They were just really supportive of my mixes. And that made me feel like the stuff I was making was actually making people happy. Mm -hmm. So um, 
I was also new to DDN, so I didn't know it was a male-dominated space. And honestly, there weren't as many DJs as there are now. So yeah. it didn't feel that crazy being the only female DJ, and all of them were really supportive. And we all became friends really fast. Um, and only after my second year did I really start to feel it, because my, my second year was the first time I'd, like, entered the circuit as a DJ. Mm-hmm. And I started really encouraging more girls to start, at least with their own team mixes. Mm-hmm. But they were all really hesitant in general. And I remember teaching how to mix with four other DJs at DDCon. And I saw so many girls show up, and it genuinely made oh, me so happy. Awesome. And I think a lot of the pressure for girls to avoid things like DJing comes more from our families and the older generation than other males in our generation. Mm-hmm. People are afraid for their parents to find out more than anything. Um, I actually hid DJing and being on the Shikara in general from my parents until senior year. And even then it was hard for me to bring it up. They just ended up hearing about it from family, friends and stuff because like my name was circ- circulating a little mm-hmm. bit. Okay. Um, so now they know like that I that I did all of that. And if they listen to this podcast, they know. But. Um, <laughs> I didn't ever actively push girls to be a DJ because I understood that side of it. And I would definitely have enjoyed more representation while I was active in the circuit. And there Mm -hmm. are more now, like Aurora Beats, Mm -hmm. um, Sandy Spell. And I tried to put them on mixtapes when I was in control to give Mm -hmm. them some exposure. But to answer your question, Mm -hmm. sorry, that was a long explanation. But to answer your question, it was important for me. And I was lead of ethics and diversity for DDN Sound because Mm -hmm. of that, I think. And it made me incredibly happy when other girls would reach out for advice. Mm-hmm. But basically the fact that there were less girls, I think is more because of the cultural taboo factor mm-hmm. than anything yeah. else. Yeah, no, it's amazing though, that you're kind of serving as a representation for girls to reach out to. And I really liked how you said that a lot of girls showed up when you were kind of teaching how to do mixes. Like that's amazing. Yeah. Maybe I was so happy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was actually, I think majority like at least at my table, maybe they just felt comfortable coming to my table. I didn't like pay attention too much to the other tables, mm-hmm. but it was like majority girls. And so that made me happy. Yeah, like seeing yeah. like seeing somebody just like you, like another woman in the field definitely helps it like everywhere. So I think that's awesome that you are kind of doing that for other girls in, in DJing and software yeah. engineer, <laughs> both of those. <laughs> yeah, my team actually at Google is majority girls, surprisingly enough, because it's not like, the strict sense of sweet mm-hmm. so I actually never felt that at Google either that's awesome I love to hear yeah. that yeah so kind of talking about your DJ career more so you said that you started DJing I think in your second year of college and then you kind of went into it I'm pretty sure even with the with the dance team it's it's a lot of time because you do spend a yeah. lot of time <laughs> practices and stuff so An understatement yeah yeah so how did you spend like how did you kind of manage your time with being a dj school and also kind of just making mixes for different teams now Mm -hmm. um yeah that's a good question so i actually come from a music background like i started i was like through the certificate of merit level 10 in piano and i'm trained in carnatic singing um so that like both of those gave me combined and an understanding of music theory and Indian music. Mm-hmm. And then I also um, grew up doing Kuchipudi my entire life. So oh, that wow. gave me like a sense of rhythm. And I've always kind of had to balance, like my parents put me in all these creative things. Like I was a gymnast, I did ballet. Oh, wow. um, and, and balancing like school and creative things was a huge part of what my parents wanted me and my brother to do growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Lashkara is what really gave me the motivation to bring music into 
like the circuit like emotions movement and a story into a cohesive plot which is why I love like Bollywood and Hollywood so much Mm -hmm. and I think in college that side of things like me being creative DJing music dance is really what kept me grounded like if I did not have that I would not have been so excited to like finish work and like go go to do that otherwise I would just procrastinate and I talked to a lot of friends who didn't who like ended up quitting the dance team to focus on school and stuff they they said the same thing like all their free time instead of Lashkara or the dance um, circuit or like music or whatever it is they would just watch tv or hang out with friends like you Mm -hmm. end up having the same amount of time it's just how you actually balance it so the amount of studying and and like work you do I think is consistent it's just about that free time Mm -hmm. what you put that Uh, towards yeah I 100% agree with that because I think yeah um so I did my dance team zamana for uh my last three years of college from sophomore year to senior year and I think Mm -hmm. it was just a great outlet more of like a stress reliever it was mm-hmm. definitely time consuming and definitely uh, and being on like board and captain was definitely oh, I yeah. think it was definitely stressful at the time but it also was rewarding in the sense like you were doing something you love and I think mm-hmm. as someone who loves to dance or something as someone as you will who likes to likes to be creative I think that's a really good outlet especially because school always kind of gets uh, like stressful and kind of mon- monotone because like we're just kind of doing the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again and this kind of just added a little bit I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know the correct word for it, like spice in our lives. <laughs> yeah, curry spice. Yeah, it's Bollywood, so throw it in there. But I also feel like Lashkara, um, being on board, like you said, adds a little bit of responsibility to your life. So you have mm-hmm. to plan and like allocate time for certain things, and that carried. Actually, during my Google interview, I remember some of the behaviorals. I actually had seven interviews going into Google because CTR program was like. Mm-hmm. rotating between three or four different roles so they needed to interview us for all of them mm-hmm. but um so half of them were behavioral and they asked about like problem solving how did you like deal with difficult co-workers and things like that and those kind of questions I feel like I could field based on my experience mm-hmm. with Lashkara and being on board things like that so that really helped yeah, yeah. I agree I think even for Zamana like the, the, the mm-hmm. like me just being in board has given me a lot of experience in terms of just like leadership and the mm-hmm. responsibility. So we can definitely carry that into our future jobs as well. Yeah, right. I actually, uh, just going off of everything you're saying, um, I so I, earlier I mentioned I watched your video on burnout. So I would love to hear more about how to avoid burnout. And clearly yeah. like, there, you know, you have a goal-oriented mindset. Like everything you've been saying, that's all I've been thinking is like, there's so much going on. How did you avoid or overcome burnout? Like, cause you mentioned like, there's yeah. so much going on with, you know, like the, the, the dancing team and the DJing and school, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. Um, so I can expand a little bit on that, but I do want to preface it with, I think I had to manage it pretty early on in life, like the scattered mm-hmm. thoughts and yeah. um, trying to refocus my brain because I didn't know it until recently, but I actually had like a lower level of ADHD growing up. Mm-hmm. And so like that kind of, kind of like high functioning ADHD means mm-hmm. you can kind of learn to manage all of this stuff. So mm-hmm. I think I would owe a lot of that to growing up that way. Mm-hmm. But um, the pandemic and starting in a new role at Google and being obsessed with work, um, it all just kind of fell <laughs> into the same like bucket. Like I, there was nothing else to think about, right? So mm-hmm. I started a new role at Google in March. So I kind of threw myself into it basically, since mm-hmm. the pandemic, it started at the same time. 
And before that, I had such a good work-life balance. Like Google really promotes that. I think big companies in general are really allowed for that. Um, but after the pandemic, there was nothing to do. Um, and I noticed a huge shift in myself and I loved what I was doing, but I felt so tired all the time. And this is a new thing for me. I had to find a way to manage it because I had to find a way to keep working and to be productive. So it took a lot of trial and error and I failed a lot, believe me. Mm -hmm. And I noticed it affect my quality of work and it would go into a spiral of guilt and then the quality kept dropping it. And as the quality dropped, the guilt would keep going and then mm -hmm. it would spiral, right? So right. I've honestly stopped thinking about things in terms of goals and more in terms of habits because, because of that. So I really try to tune into myself and think about how I'm feeling at the beginning and the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So I can keep going sustainably and stay present and give myself what I need to keep going and not lose myself in the process or compare myself to other people. Mm -hmm. So that's my biggest advice is to keep make sure you have time for yourself throughout a day, make nice. sure you you focus and think about how you're actually feeling. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I've never like really heard of, you know, thinking in terms of habits rather than goals. So I'm definitely going to take that advice as well. <laughs> I'm actually reading a book where um, that I'm reading to hell with the hustle right now. I think that's mm -hmm. the name of the book. And the first chapter is literally about how we should be thinking about goals in terms of like formations as in it's a mm -hmm. daily thing because once you hit a goal you kind of fall off the wagon a little bit and then mm -hmm. that hitting that goal is like a little piece of a win for you like it's exciting in that moment but right. it it's something that you have to keep working on every single day yeah. and eventually you'll see so much more progress right yeah that's a good point yeah. I'm definitely gonna check that book out <laughs> <laughs> it's a good book yeah so we kind of spoke about like uh, you started your YouTube channel during the pandemic and you also kind of uh, started a new role during the pandemic. So mm -hmm. how has the pandemic kind of affected your work-life balance, as you said, and then how we kept yourself busy? It's in my, it would be the biggest question for this. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it was all work. I did not have like a social life because <laughs> who can have a social life during the pandemic? I started working out a lot. Mm -hmm. Um and doing yoga and meditation to, to kind of focus in on myself a little bit. Um, I started FaceTiming people a little more regularly to keep up with them because I think keeping relationships up is a really big... Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, near... I didn't even mix, actually. I did not touch mixing or DJing at all till no. end of last. YouTube was always just to do or try. And I felt like if I don't do it now, I'm going to do it. So <laughs> I'm trying That's it now. Cool. We have time. That's but mm -hmm. definitely guys check out our youtube channel we'll definitely we'll put it in the link uh <laughs> in the description so please check it out and do subscribe uh she's posting some really good content there especially if you're trying to go into the field of software engineering there's some great advice i have looked at the video for the uh how to avoid burnout mm -hmm. and that is something which i'm kind of just trying to implement in my own life as well at this point so definitely check her youtube channel out guys yeah, I was just saying, uh, I've learned so much from you today, and I'm really looking forward to releasing this. So so our listeners, I think it'll be really helpful for them as well. I think we spoke about your mixes earlier. What are some of the mm -hmm. favorite mixes which people need to check out, which you have made? Uh, uh, this is an unfair question. I have so many mixes in the last five years. Um, okay, so I think we talked about this. Uh, actually, it might have just been you and me talking about this, but mm -hmm. Nashville was the first mixtape and probably the most lit and 100% my favorite music. So I honestly still listen to it a lot. 
lot just by myself. Um, it was the first bid mixtape I made for the Bollywood circuit that I did. Okay. Um, and I made that with Abhi, who's actually one of my best friends now. His DJ name is Bained. Um, he, he's like retired now, but he, like I love meeting people through the process. So that one means a lot to me. Um, mm-hmm. I think I was also the only DJ to make Chris themed mixtapes. And I loved those. And there's, so there's two of those. And okay. Uh, okay. And a lot of the mixes, I think from the graduation album, um, I, I made a giant album at the, when I graduated mm-hmm. and it also, cause it also gave me a lot of joy because they were each made for a close friend in mind. So they were each like a song that we connected over for like an emotion and each one of those meant a lot to me. So I, I honestly can't choose there. <laughs> That's such a good creative outlet. I think like kind of just dedicating it to the time mm-hmm. you had at college. I think that's really cool. I'll definitely check that album out today. Mm-hmm. That's probably my favorite album I've ever made. Um, so, and I think just to kind of wrap up, how can people contact you or connect with you? Um, okay. So if you want to contact me about music, SoundCloud. Um, if you want to talk to me about career advice and other nonsense, um, YouTube. But for everything else, if you just want to be friends, um, Instagram. Yeah, we'll, we'll, pro- we'll link everybody to those pages. Thank you again, Anupi, for taking out time to just be here and kind of talk to us. It was a really, really uh, good experience talking to you. And I hope you also had a good experience with us. Yeah, I had so much fun talking to you guys. I feel like I haven't thought about a lot of these things in a while. So thank you for jogging my memory a little bit. Yeah, I just want to also say thank you. I'm looking forward to uh, when we release this podcast episode. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening and have a good day. Bye.